Starbucks opens first reserve store in India. Starbucks has grown rapidly in India in the 10 years since it opened its first shop in Mumbai. The number of shops has risen to over 300. According to Tata Starbucks, the operator of the shops in India, the country is ready for the first Starbucks reserve shop. The first Starbucks reserve in the country was opened in the remodeled building where the first shop in India was opened. The building features two Starbucks cafes, a traditional cafe serving the classic Indian coffee menu, and now a reserve for those who demand a higher quality coffee than the regular that Starbucks delivers. The reserve store offers its customers a more immersive coffee experience, with baristas preparing coffee using alternative methods, such as siphon, pour-over, chemex and nitro-cold brew. According to Sushant Dash, CEO of Tata Starbucks, India is ready for the next level of coffee enjoyment, which is a little more expensive. Despite the successful opening, it remains uncertain if and when the company will open another reserve branch. Dash said it is best to wait for the reaction of consumers to the concept. Although India is one of the Asian countries where tea is traditionally the preferred beverage, coffee is becoming increasingly popular. Starbucks has also spread outside the major cities where its outlets have been well received. Last year was the most successful for the company as it opened shops in 14 new cities. One of the biggest challenges for the company was adapting the global menu to local tastes. Getting that balance right is what is important and this team has been doing the same from the very beginning, not just with the food menu but also finding the right locations for stores, said Michael Conway, Starbucks Group President, International and Channel Development. The biggest competitor is the domestic chain Cafe Coffee Day, which operates 495 outlets in the country. Several world-renowned food and coffee chains have also fueled the phenomenon with their presence, with Starbucks being the biggest so far. UK-based Costa Coffee which has 69 outlets across India, also wants a share of the huge potential market of India. Another UK-based food chain, Prelimanja, wants to open 100 shops by 2028. Canada's Tim Hortons plans to open more than 250 shops in the same period. Saudi coffee company, SCC, attended this year's Future Investment Initiative, FI as the official coffee partner to share its wide-ranging plans to develop every aspect of the value chain of the kingdom's coffee industry, from bean to cup. FII was an excellent opportunity for Saudi coffee company to engage with investors, entrepreneurs and policymakers from across the world. We are pleased to see the interest and enthusiasm for our mission to develop a sustainable and world-leading coffee industry in the kingdom and the opportunities this will create, stated Raja Al-Harbai, CEO of the Saudi Coffee Company. FII's sixth edition has brought together the world's leading CEOs, policymakers, investors, entrepreneurs, and young leaders under the theme, Impact on Humanity, which focuses on developing new innovative and high-impact solutions to the sustainability challenges we face. SCC participated in the event with a view to building partnerships with investors and other strategic partners, working in agriculture, distribution, marketing, and other sectors relevant to its mission. The theme is in line with SCC's objective to make Saudi's coffee industry among the most sustainable in the world. 
SCC's sustainability plans are being developed by a team of global sustainability experts. There will be a focus on building new sustainable infrastructure, from farms to factories, while improving existing infrastructure to make it more environmentally friendly. In line with its mission of leading a sustainable sector, SCC is exploring a range of innovative sustainability solutions, including using agrovoltaics, which combines solar power and crops using the same land, while also integrating circular economy methods. SCC will also teach sustainable farming at a soon-to-be-established coffee academy. The company is also working to nurture the sector by adopting better planting, harvesting, roasting, distribution, manufacturing, and marketing techniques, focusing in particular on green and ground coffee systems, degassing systems, and primary, secondary, and end-of-line packaging. With these best practices in place, SCC is aiming to put Saudi coffee on countertops around the world within the next few years. SCC had two booths at FII where it showcased various types of local beans, while providing visitors with information on SCC's mission to energize Saudi's coffee industry. The booths attracted a great deal of attention and helped to demonstrate the high quality of blends produced from local and international beans. Wholly owned by public investment fund, PF, the Saudi coffee company is the leading force behind Saudi Arabia's efforts to develop and grow its nascent coffee industry. Working in tandem with the kingdom's 2,500 coffee farms, it aims to increase domestic coffee production from 300 tons a year today to 2,500 by 2032. Former Luckin Coffee Executives Launch First Branch of Cadi Coffee Former Luckin Coffee Executives Jenny Chien and Charles Liu have announced the first location of their new coffee company, Cadi. The coffee chain was reportedly registered with a capital of $100 million and Qian as its legal representative. According to Pondaily, a Chinese tech media website, Cadi's management team includes Liu of Luckin Coffee and employees of Chinese car rental companies Ucar and Car Inc., in which Liu holds shares. Cadi Coffee's first branch is located in Fuzhou, the capital of Fujian province. The company offers coffee and Italian desserts in the morning, meals at noon, and dinner and wine in the evening. The brand has also launched a food ordering and delivery feature on WeChat, with more than 40 products priced between $2.48 and $4.41. The coffee chain will launch two shop formats, a 50-square-meter takeaway mini-shop, and a larger standard space with a stronger in-shop experience. Cadi Coffee will also become an official sponsor of Argentina's national football team and will offer co-branded drinks in China during the World Cup next month. From what we can see of the branding, they have gone with a feminine touch using soft pastel colors, and with the tagline Every Day at Cadi, perhaps indicating the demographic and place they want to occupy in the mindset of their target consumers. Lou left Luckin Coffee in 2020, following the $340 million fabricated sales scandal. Shortly after, the controversial coffee chain was delisted from NASDAQ, although it has since made a startling recovery under new management. According to Chinese monitoring and research company iMedia Research, China's coffee industry will grow by 27.2% annually and reach $137 million in 2025. Details about the new coffee chain were first reported in September this year. Liu hopes Cadi Coffee will be able to capitalize on China's growing coffee scene. Coffee culture is rapidly gaining traction in the country, 
with local coffee chains expanding to take a bigger market share from Luckin and Starbucks, which plans to open 6,000 outlets in the country by the end of 2022. Hawaii gets $1.37 million funding to fight coffee leaf rust. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's National Institute of Food and Agriculture has awarded the Hawaii Agriculture Research Center $1.37 million to address coffee leaf rust, CLR, U.S. Senator Maisie Hirono, Democrat Hawaii, announced last week. The funds come from NIFA's Specialty Crop Research Initiatives Program and will be used to restart the organization's coffee breeding program in order to produce coffee with CLR resistance. Roughly 1,400 growers on six islands produce $62 million worth of Hawaiian coffee each year, generating about $500,000 in economic activity annually, according to the Hawaii Agriculture Research Center. This funding is crucial in supporting the work being done in Hawaii to combat coffee leaf rust and save an industry that generates hundreds of millions of dollars in economic activity each year. I am glad that the USDA is continuing to provide the necessary resources to address CLR, and I'll continue working to support farmers across our state, said Eniter Maisie Hirono. CLR in Hawaii was first discovered in Haiku, Maui, in 2020 and has since caused great concern in the local coffee industry. Hirono has previously called on the USDA to develop a response to the threat. Last year, she introduced the Coffee Plant Health Initiative Amendments Act to expand research funding to combat CLR and other threats to coffee plants. NIFA has previously granted Hawaii $6 million to fight CLR. CLR can cause infected leaves to drop prematurely, severely reducing the plant's ability to photosynthesize. According to the State Department of Agriculture, the fungus can have a negative impact on the size of the berries the plant produces and the overall health of the plant. The fungus is first noticeable as yellow-orange spots on the upper side of the leaves. Infectious spores resembling a dark orange powder can grow on the underside of the leaves. CLR may also infect young stems and berries. The fungus can spread backwards from the leaves to the rest of the plant, a condition called dieback, which can reduce future yields by up to 80%. CLR has the potential to destroy the local coffee industry if not curbed. According to the DOA, ungicides, preemptive pruning and spacing can help control the spread of CLR. Starbucks claims union broke rules by recording negotiation talks. The union struggle at Starbucks continues. Unions have formed across the U.S., and the company has retaliated by closing some stores, citing various reasons, including health and safety, although these same stores coincidentally appear to be the ones supporting unionization. Recently, the company has filed charges with the National Labor Relations Board against union officials, who allegedly recorded negotiation sessions for workers who were unable to attend. The charges are specific to meetings in Chicago, Buffalo, New York, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Louisville, Kentucky, and Long Beach, California. Starbucks said in a statement on October 24 that the broadcasting and recording of private sessions undermine the business interests of the company and its partners. Meanwhile, the union also filed complaints with the NLRB on October 25, arguing that Starbucks is not acting in good faith. 
Starbucks officials appeared to walk out of the five bargaining sessions within five minutes of the negotiations on day one, after members of Workers United joined the video meeting online. The union replied that such an approach is simply a childish tactic to delay negotiations even further. The fighting does indeed reflect a children's playground spat, but if both parties are going to negotiate in good faith, then each needs to be transparent about their intentions. If recordings need to be made for those not attending, then it should be tabled at the meeting, and if all parties agree, then the meeting is recorded with consent, and if not, then the meeting can be rescheduled. A surreptitious recording is unethical and destroys trust. However, the NLRB prohibits recordings or transcripts of contract negotiations, and has previously argued against the recording of negotiation sessions, and in fact, the union claimed the negotiations were not recorded. According to Workers United, Starbucks declined to negotiate because some members of the bargaining committee attended the meeting remotely. In correspondence leading up to these bargaining sessions, the union made clear that it was reserving the right to have bargaining members participate by Zoom, when necessary and appropriate, said Workers United. More than 230 Starbucks stores have unionized, and the company is in the midst of 40 negotiations. The workers at stores that have voted to unionize accuse Starbucks of unfair labor practices and of withholding their pay increases and other benefits. <laughs>